0: This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Hello and welcome to Plato's Cave, a triple R film criticism show and podcast. I'm Sally Christie and in the cave with me tonight we have the fantastic Emma Westwood. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Sally.
1: Now I have to live up to You've that. You've got to but live. Thank away. you. I've got high expectations of you this episode,
0: and we welcome back Flick Ford. Flick, it's been a while. And it's I nice it. to have you
2: back. <laughs> it's it's been so long, but it's lovely it has. to be back. It's good to have you Thank back.
0: Thank you for inviting me. Um, before we get into the films that we will be talking about tonight, it feels like that we're starting every show this way the last few weeks, but we've lost another great over the weekend, which was Agnes Vada, who was one of the pioneers of French New Wave cinema. So, um, Flick, did you want to comment a little bit on her fantastic work
2: yeah so it's been a it's been an emotional week so on friday she passed away after a relatively short battle with breast cancer i think most people will be familiar with her um well there's a documentary made with french photographer and muralist jr that played at MIF in 2017 called faces places but she's also referred to very affectionately as the mother of French new wave so um lots of amazing films perhaps one of my favorites is Cleo from five to seven 1962 um an amazing amazing woman yeah she is and yeah it's like I said it feels like
0: every week lately we've (laughs) been Starting off the show on a sad note I know, it's but...
1: very sad But I guess, um, you know, we're, we're reaching that time in cinema history Where uh, a few reach, you know, they hit that stage, unfortunately
0: yeah. And, you know, she was 90 and left a great body of work that has influenced many So we've got that to be grateful for So, um, on tonight's show, we are going to look at Jordan Peele's highly anticipated Us And we are also going to take a step back to 1961. We are going to start looking at a retrospective film each week. And the first film of our retrospective selection is The Misfits, which is the final completed film for both Marilyn Monroe and Clark Gable. Um, But first, we are going to look at Claire Denis' latest offering, which is High Life. So... High life, far, be- far beyond our solar system, Monty, played by Robert Pattinson, and his infant daughter Willow are drifting closer to a black hole where all time and space cease to exist. They are the sole survivors of a prison crew where they were treated as human guinea pigs. Willow uh, is an experiment fathered by Monty against his will to Boyce, played by Mia Goth, after the deranged Dr Dibbs, (laughs) (laughs) who is played by uh, Juliette Binoche, has harvested his sperm. Um, Emma, we saw this together last night. What are your thoughts on High Life? We did. Well, it's interesting
1: opening with this tribute to Agnes Varda because... Uh, Claire Denis is another amazing French filmmaker and a a female French filmmaker who's been... He's not at the start of her career, although I feel that she has a lot more to offer us. She's she's still got a little bit of grunt in the engine, I think. (laughs) Mm. I hope so. I can't see that um, it's evident that she's slowing down from her film output anyway. Uh, This comes off the back of Let the Sunshine In, which I was lucky enough to talk about in our summer summary show. And it couldn't be more of a different film. I haven't
0: seen Let the Sunshine, I've only seen the, you know, promo poster. (laughs) just looks like the complete opposite movie.
1: It is. It, it Yes, this is playing opposites, let's just say, mm. uh, it, it, in every way, not only in subject subject matter but in style, uh, where we have um, with uh, Let the Sunshine In, we have something that's far more linear in style and with uh, High Life it seems to... It jumps around a lot in the presentation of the, the narrative. Uh, I think that it can... It might be for some people... This is a very, very clinical feel to this film. This is the first time that she's done a sci-fi outer space film. Claire Denis is one who's not scared to tackle new subject, which is a subject matter, which is very exciting. Uh, I feel that every time you go into a one of her films, you're never entirely sure of what you're going to get, um, whether it's um, Trouble Every Day with, you know, flesh-eating, vampire, whatever. Sensuality, though, is something that she plays with very interestingly, mm-hmm. and that's a similar subject in... Um, in high life, although still played out in a very clinical manner, but um, it's it's a hard film to get close to. I like this film, but I don't feel like it had the emotional impact that I would usually get from... Even something that I got from Let the Sunshine In, even though the characters weren't particularly um, endearing, shall we say, in Mm -hmm. Let the Sunshine In. Because she has this... In this film, the way she decides to cut into the narrative and what she decides to show in the narrative is is quite interesting and a little bit jarring. So I think that this is a film that people will either absolutely love like it's gonna hit a groove with them or they're gonna absolutely hate (laughs) shall we say (laughs) <laughs> what did you think of it, Flick?
2: So I I saw this um, last week. I so the, it opens with Robert Pattinson uh, on this abandoned spaceship, caring for a baby. And there's something about those scenes that I was like, yeah, I felt I feel like this is my my jam. There <laughs> <I'm>
0: were <happy. laughs> a, there were a couple of women sitting in front of Emma and I last night who were losing their minds over that. Yeah,
2: there is something. <laughs> yes. They it's were. Like, it's like watching a comforting puppy video. I was just like, this is... I could just watch this on repeat. The film could have been two hours of that and I would have been like, yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> this gorgeous, He's, chubby, Googling baby. The baby is so cute. <laughs> but and
0: it, it was crying so much. Yeah. Just, was, I just, you know...
2: I, I don't know, I found it so comforting. I, I think there's something about watching processes on screen that, um it's sort of like an ASMR sort of style... <laughs> <laughs> that I was just very much into and then it and then it takes a very sexy, weird turn. But um I am a massive fan of, of uh, Robert Pattinson. I think um, Good Time is one of the best films I've seen. In, um, so do yeah, I. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you so, on that. So into mm-hmm. it. And it's really interesting because I was reading an, an interview with Claire Denis who was saying that uh, she had actually envisioned Philip Seymour Hoffman for the role and couldn't imagine um, really? Pattinson in it. And she said that she wanted someone world-weary and she thought that he was much too iconic. But then she she did obviously come around to the idea and she He's got this fantastic quote. I th- hope it's okay to read this out. Of um, mm. He is like a man with another man inside himself, craving for something. This guy is like a Russian nesting doll. There is another guy sitting in it, another guy in that guy and more. He never shows himself completely, only a part, and it is terribly intriguing. But he also has like an inner naked youth. He gives off an aura that immediately makes you want to film him. And I thought that was so beautiful mm. with the way in which... Um, she approaches both the female and male subjects in this film and I thought there's um, two very difficult... Maybe it's a bit of a trigger warning. There's two very uncomfortable scenes of sexual assault in this film and I thought it was really fascinating the way in which those are shot and approached in two very different ways. And I think if... Um, I don't know, as, as sort of a, a site of ex- further exploration, that would be really fascinating to mm. think about how she approaches these questions. Yeah. Um, because it is isn't it a really odd film. It's kind of, it's funny, it's a sci-fi, there's some really weird stuff that happens. But there's a, you mentioned before, this clinical feel. And I think, if anything, I found that there was all these, like, really rough edges um, that were quite different from sci-fi. There wasn't that many, like, it wasn't clinical for me. It, it was strangely removed in ways, but in a way that almost underscored the humanity um, I think I, yeah, I think I fun. picked
1: up there was something about it that reminded me of um, David Cronenberg's oh, approach absolutely. to yeah. that uh,
2: body horror, mm. shall we say, and the uh, the slight remove from the body. It's and also Benoche and uh, Robert Pattinson, who are two of the leads in this, last appeared in in Cronenberg's um, Cosmopolis. Yeah, oh, oh.
0: good point. Yeah. yeah, I think that was the last mm. time they were on yeah. screen together. So mm. yeah. Mm um it did take me a little while to connect with this movie like i i think probably to the midway point of it where the dildo scene (laughs) (laughs) that's when you connected you know me That, That's what I
1: was like. Okay. That was very David Croteberg. It, it was. was. very Dead Ringers. It was. Voice
2: <laughs> Actually, just as an aside, I was in a quiz quiz um, at the start of before I'd even seen this and our name was based on this film. So I already had a little insight into what it was. It was something like The Shamans of Semen, the fresh sh- from the something box.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it did, it did. It took me a little while to connect and possibly it was that scene where I was like, okay, this is going somewhere um it it was that (laughs) it was definitely that real removal from the characters it was really because it is quite emotionless and i mean there's hints of things where you think the film is going to go like perhaps there's a potential romance going to blossom but things don't go down that road and the interesting way that she deals with um you know messing with narrative conventions like that i found very interesting in this film it took me a while. I think I was late to the party on
1: realising when the child had grown up.
2: Oh, I, so was I. Yeah, and then that I was, was like, us oh, as well, I'm actually. Yeah, I yeah, thought, yeah. where did that person come from? <laughs> yes. she, and she does that also with um, information about the character's past, like the way that she delivers that mm. information. There's one scene where I felt that it was... Could completely have been cut, and uh, it's a scene in which they return back to Earth to explain what's going on. And I just was like, that could have been cut. I was mm-hmm. really unhappy. I, with
1: that. Ag- I I totally agree with you on yeah. that. I thought that was a really strange thing. It felt like um, it was an afterthought that yeah. was wedged yeah. in later that didn't actually need to be there. We could have we we could have drew, drew that from what was happening.
2: Absolutely, and it's it's kind of almost a bit disappointing because the other in all other instances, the information is really beautiful and um, in a really nuanced way, mm. um, d- sort of drip-fed to us in, mm. in a very um, uh, unclear way sometimes, but you can you can kind of understand it through it. Like the, especially um, Robert Pattinson's character's mm. backstory, I thought that was really well managed. Yeah,
0: I think that. And I find that I, I really respectful when filmmakers do that because one issue I think maybe I'll talk a little bit about this when we speak about us is that I have is that there seems to be this trend in cinema where we're very explicitly being told this is this, this is that. Um, when audiences are intelligent enough to put the pieces together, and also you know? isn't yeah. part
2: of the fun coming out of the cinema being like, "What was that?" Yeah, I exactly. Were, you know, like I trying
1: to. That trying was to kind it. of unusual in for Claire Denis to do that. Yeah, that, though mm. I feel that she's not the type of filmmaker that will spoon feed you that mm. sort of thing. She's such a a smart. Mm. subtle filmmaker I mean she's just got an inherent sense of um, unfolding narrative whether it is in a linear fashion or jumping all over the place so I don't know whether I, I don't know whether she second-guessed herself there or whether someone else interfered in bringing that sort of thing yeah, in. possibly yeah
2: because I, th- I compared this to one of her earlier films White Material which is uh, one of my favorite films of all time Starring Isabelle Huppert, and there's a real delicacy to that film Mm -hmm. that is kind of fun. Like this film, uh, High Life is such a obnoxious, (laughs) in some ways very obnoxious and um, over the top sort of style to it, which is in direct contrast to those early ones. And you were saying before Mm. Emma about comparing this to her other work, and just it kind of shows her her. Uh, I don't know, like the talent that she's She's incredible. She takes risks.
1: This is the thing. She takes incredible risks. And I did like the... You know, it's something that's not unusual in the exploration of space in films, but I thought she did do it really beautifully in that idea of um, Julia Binoche's character who um, was a prisoner herself Mm. and being obsessed with this, the reproduction. So it was all about that inner space and then the outer space as well which you know makes me think of films from the 60s like fantastic voyage and all of that but um often you saw that the the space and she created some beautiful spacescapes as well they were really stunning of planets and so forth but they could have all, all been embryos and you know um internal organisms and microbes Uh, so that was a really nice juxtaposition and then even in the spaceships the way the the spaceships were designed these look like big shipping containers Mm. flying through space yeah
0: it was a really it was a very interesting film and i've like I said, I only saw it last night and I still don't 100% know how I feel about it. But, you know, that's the that's yeah, nice agree, thing. Sally, yeah, I I'm, agree,
1: Sally. I'm like that yeah. too.
0: It's not something that you come away
1: from or I came away from going, oh, wow. Mm. But it, it sort of
0: bubbles away. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, if you are interested in seeing High Life, and it is a very interesting film, there are many screenings happening now at the Alliance Francois Film Festival. Francaise. Francaise. <laughs> <Film> <laughs> Francois. Um, so, jump on their website. Um, like I said, they've got quite a lot of screenings happening um, throughout their festival and see when it is screening next near you. You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3RRR in Melbourne, Australia. Which brings us to our next film, which is Us. Or so, US, yes, as yeah. I would like to call it. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> so after the mammoth success of Get Out, to say that Jordan Peele's latest offering, Us, has been highly anticipated is putting it mildly. So Us... ..focuses on um, Adeline Wilson. So, accompanied by her husband, her son and her daughter, um, Adelaide Wilson returns to her beachfront home where she grew up as a child. She's haunted by a traumatic experience from her past and she grows increasingly concerned that something bad is going to happen. Her worst fears soon become a reality when four masked strangers descend upon the house, forcing the Wilsons into a fight for survival. And when the masks come off, the family is horrified to learn that each attacker takes on the appearance of one of them. So it's got a huge cast starring Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moss, and much to my delight, Tim Heidecker. (laughs) I was so excited to see him in this movie. Um, So, Flick, did us live up to your expectations, or if you had any expectations?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so I am a scaredy cat, and I was a bit nervous about seeing this one, but I went along to Nova last night and checked it out. I did power eat uh, popcorn during some of the more hectic scenes, <laughs> and still feel a little bit sick from like all the M and M's and popcorn I was stuffing in my mouth. But um, I, I loved this. Like I was, I kind of thought that I would, um, and I was. Uh, I've actually spent most of today uh, re-listening to the soundtrack. So that that tune we just played is very much. Uh, been playing through my my stereo today but i um i just think it's amazing I, I find jordan peele endlessly fascinating and i think that um from the very first scene in this he's he's claiming this really fascinating space in cinema right now um yeah i think i i kind of went in already a big fan and it, it definitely delivers like mm. I, I yeah I'm, I'm I've been uh pouring over every all the different um breakdowns and and approaches and all the easter eggs and I've just been <laughs> living in that world today I was feeling a bit unwell and I was curled up in a couch with <laughs> lots of, <laughs> lots of it, isn't of, it yeah um, so we,
0: were, we were just discussing while the track was playing this movie is going to be difficult to discuss without giving away spoilers, and we're not going to give away any, no. but it's still, it's still, I think, going to make it for a more very much restricted conversation yeah we
1: won't give away spoilers at all uh, I, the, the that was the restriction with get out as well but and alex blew it didn't she She did <laughs> she just came out with it i just tried to pretend it didn't that is happen. a criminal offense uh, it really is she's not listening so we, <laughs> <laughs> we can bag her no um uh, the yeah i know what you mean um uh, flick when you talk about uh, get out and the the, the the excitement around this film coming out it's it's looking it's been massive the as variety would say the sophomore feature <laughs> is it's it's a big load on a filmmaker's shoulders um, especially when you come out with a really ripper debut I, I feel sorry for a lot of filmmakers who come out with really strong debuts because inevitably they're going to be pulled apart with the second film um, I didn't like this as much as Get Out, I have to say. I thought Get Out had this, um, What? well, what I find with horror movies, a lot of horror movies, is they start so well, like really, really exciting starts. And this film has a great start as well. And it sort of dangles a whole lot of carrots slash red herrings, I guess, right at the start, and you're wondering where they're going to go. Even something like that title, that card that came up about sewers under underneath the I and mean, there was city. the
0: vhs of chud at the start
2: yes i know <laughs> so apparently um jordan peele used to date the daughter of the director oh really oh, I've wow. got, I've got this the is soundtrack. my easter egg reveals <laughs>
1: i've got the soundtrack of chud on vinyl
2: <laughs> but
1: um the thing is what I felt he was trying to do with this is he was trying to do something a little bit similar to to Get Out, but the way that Get Out had... A very strong setup, and then it managed to create this really great through line that um, all came together so beautifully. I felt this was a little fragmented and loose. It didn't, it was like he was trying to, there was a setup of maybe four different films there, and he should have chosen one to really bring in together. That's how it felt to me.
0: I feel that that was something that was really intentional on his part, though. Like, I, I feel that. There's so much... Okay, Get Out is an incredible film. It's a beautiful, neat little package. It's very neat.
1: Very neat and very
0: insightful. This is not in any way... I don't feel that it was neat and I don't feel that it was insightful, but I really, really liked it. And I think that that was really intentional, perhaps on his part, of moving away from what everyone expected for him to do which i think everyone really did expect him to do that to come for us to come away with something like get out especially when we can we see in the trailer that the cast once again is african-american we are set up to think that you know we're going to have the same kind of social satire which we we don't have at all with us
2: do you do i I disagree you don't think there's social satire and us
0: not not in the way that there was in get out no
2: Ah, I see. That's the that seems to me the common thread there as uh, mm. his work as a director that he has this. Um, he approaches these very like difficult discussions that are happening in the US, but also here, mm. um, to do with with race and immigration and how we're treating people. And the I think that he does it in this really fascinating combination of humour and horror.
0: I think yeah, I I totally agree. I think the way that he looks at his combination of comedy and horror is perfect mm. and i think that that is a really hard thing to pull off like he is the if the first director that i think springs to mind that does this in a really beautiful way and of course these issues are going to come through but i just don't think that it was something that was as overt as mm, get out obviously. where he was trying to make it overt, yeah. and that mm. was you know yeah mm.
2: i mean there's a lot of plot holes <laughs> Yeah, but I, did, I loved a, us. I thought it was. The, oh,
0: yeah, I the, thought it was excellent. The
2: performances were
1: excellent, and the the family dynamic was excellent. But this family dynamic didn't work in terms of the resolution. Yeah, without saying anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> and also he had a massive expository verbal expository towards the end, which I felt was really lazy filmmaking. That's, that's
2: when, what you saying. Yeah,
0: before when <laughs> yeah. I said, "Oh, we'll talk a little, maybe a bit about this when we talk when we look at us," that that I felt was really lazy yeah. as well, and we keep seeing it. It happened as in hereditary, the same thing. Um, superior the same thing ways of doing is it. this. Mm. They'll have an end scene, and there'll be someone who turns around and explains everything to the camera. We don't need that. No, yeah, no, we quite, don't need that. Yeah, that, that definitely
2: yeah. is unnecessary. Mm. I feel like um, one of the things that really stood out for me was, and we're talking more about perhaps his style would be the music choices were just yep. so strong. Like oh, I amazing, just I love <laughs> the way in which there was this fantastic. Um, just this beautiful connection between what was happening on screen and the music choices, where they would sometimes add a huge amount of lightness or this really almost like contrapuntal sound where it was just creating this um, mm, disease yeah. between the two. So, I, yeah, I think amazing that use.
1: One of the interesting tracks, especially, and it's right at the end, was Minnie Ripperton's Riperton, "La Fleur. And if anyone knows it, there's something about that. Song that is so joyous that it was a really interesting placement Mm. to put it at the end. And I think that brought in a whole extra dimension to the Mm. end of that film. (laughs) I was trying to work out, I was really conflicted. It it kind of, because that song hits emotional buttons for me. So then to have it in that context was really odd
2: i thought yeah Yeah. and we mentioned uh suspiria just very briefly before and that was actually what i was reminded of the um physicality of um and the way in which i won't ruin this but there's a scene towards the end and you were mentioning before about it losing momentum but for me that there's a scene in which her physicality is so central to that moment and I was just amazed by her acting, her the yeah, way she in which was... she holds her body and how that translates a very particular kind of horror mm. and linked into this maternalistic but also this little girl who has experienced a lot of trauma. Yeah, I don't know, it's, it's fascinating.
0: Beautiful thing you can get out as well, with the way that people use their eyes for expression that is just mm. I haven't seen in any other films mm. yes yeah which yeah, particularly yeah
1: actually that's mm. a good point that is something that really comes out in his direction and kudos to him to be able to get that mm. out of performers I mean he's a performer himself so you know no doubt he brings some sort of intuition uh through into his directing with that but I did want to there were so many parts that I wanted to that was set up so well that I wanted more from and one really stra- this might seem really strange but I freaking loved it was the rabbits at the in the title sequence yeah and I wanted more
0: from those rabbits <laughs> we've had rabbits a lot lately the favorite they're know, popping up everywhere it? aren't they but
1: they are fantastic <laughs> <laughs> And there are always more of them. Yes, apparently,
2: apparently he added them in because he's like, "Oh, rabbits are really scary. Why doesn't anyone realise <laughs> how scary they are?" And I'm like, no, I hear you. I find them terrifying. <laughs> Do you? I don't like them. I'm yes. not a big rabbit fan. Oh, Sorry, they're really soft
0: everyone. though. They're nice. They're <laughs> oh, nice.
2: <laughs> weird eyes.
0: Three triple R. Um, just before we dive into our next film, I just wanted to mention that it's the first of April, so it is the start of April amnesty here at triple R I know, so <laughs> this is if you missed Radiothon, this is a really great time to subscribe um here at Triple R we're all volunteers. We rely on your subscriptions to keep going. Jump onto our website to see different ways that you, you can subscribe and there are some excellent prizes that are happening with Amnesty International. Emma, I think, are you looking at any at the moment? I'm trying to look, but I realise I'm blind. I'm trying to...
1: There's stuff from the Melbourne's Riders Festival. There's stuff from the Corner Hotel. There's stuff from Toff Tof in Town. Mm-hmm. There's Ooh, stuff just... from Cookie. <laughs> There's stuff from... Is there? What's the film stuff? There's stuff from North records i'm trying to scour it oh mini pass -pass to mid national film festival (laughs) mini pass so there's
0: heaps of really amazing prizes if you subscribe that you're eligible for if you subscribe to triple r this april so do it and a big congratulations to eva for winning the double pass to mid 90s at cinemanova um we've Decided that it might be fun to throw a retrospective film In the mix of Plato's Cave So this week it was my pick and I picked 1961's The Misfits, which was directed by the wonderful John Huston. So the screenplay for The Misfits was penned by Arthur Miller, pretty much as a love letter to his then wife, Marilyn Monroe. Uh, the film also stars Clark Gable, who died just before the film's release, and Monty Clift and Eli Wallace. So, The Misfits centres on the newly divorced Rosalind, played by Monroe, and her time spent with Gay, played by Gable, an ageing cowboy, and his friends in the western Nevada desert. So, despite the massive amount of star power that was attached to this film, it was a commercial failure at the time that it was released, but it has rightfully been embraced as a Hollywood treasure. Um... Yeah and I think it was a real treat to revisit this this week. It's I really love this film. Um I'm keen to hear what you both had to f- have to say about it.
1: Yeah, this is this is a real powerhouse film. Mm. I, it's it's um yeah, it's very, it's very wordy. I think that goes with the Arthur Miller, ter- um, Arthur Miller territory, shall we say, <laughs> playwright. So, yeah, it, it comes across as... It, it's it's a very talky film. And it's a, a very distinct character piece, which um, I really loved for the time. It, it fits in... Thelma Ritter, it, it, the misfits, the idea is bringing in these characters that are all incredibly distinct really hard to put your finger on and they're all in this town of reno it starts off with this shot of the words reno and i think we can't underestimate the importance Of Reno as the setting because it was the divorce capital of the US for six decades. There was um, George Kukor's film from I think it was 1938, The Women which had an all women cast Mm -hmm. was actually uh, ended up culminating in one of the characters going to Reno to get a divorce because the idea was you could get a quickie divorce in Reno, you didn't have to stay there that long. It also had, uh, was a gambling city so it was (laughs) which is a great you know, it's a great thing to go with divorce. People are sort of in an emotional state anyway. So, the idea is this is the this is the idea of the the new Wild West at that time. You could say. Um, so, all of these characters are there to start new lives after divorces. Uh, it's a it's a different time. The idea of divorce was very different at that time too. It wasn't as easy, and it was interesting to see Thelma Ritter's character. Uh, the two female lead female characters as well play off each other and Thelma Ritter (laughs) they're just just such soulmates, Mm. even though they're completely different people both um background and and physically as well and that's made a real point of in this film uh and how she Thelma Ritter tells Marilyn Monroe's character that she has to Rosalind that when she goes to court she has to say that she was hit abused and she said what about that he just never talked to me anymore and she said basically everyone would be divorced or you know mm-hmm. only 11 percent of the population would be married or something um but she talks about invisibility basically as her as a woman being invisible because she doesn't look the way someone like marilyn Monroe does so you have this whole setup of um around this really interesting gender divide which i think can really uh, could be very uh, caustic and troubling to a lot of people who watch it nowadays. But the the thing about this film is it's so aware of that, even at the time, it Mm. really plays plays out on that in a very interesting way you need to let it unfold and you see how this gender dynamic is really undermined yeah it's
0: just this there's all this story of these broken men that they expect this one woman to be able to to fix fix them them.
1: and they say that that she makes them feel good
0: to be around her that's her sole purpose is to make these men feel better when she is this incredibly deep beautiful empathetic soul yes you know and you know essentially makes them feel worse about themselves because of you know because act, she going challenges on. them yeah but
1: when they see her on the uh, on a surface value mm. and it's essentially they- it's
0: it's her challenging their masculinity yet it is becomes this whole big, uncomfortable thing. And it's... Oh God, it's such a good film. And they're all... Like I said, it's got this incredible star power and everyone involved in it was so really fragile when they were making it. Oh, yeah, the stories like,
2: about it are ridiculous. Cause, mm. I mean, you have the three, three of the stars who all um, died within, you know, a few years of the film. So, yep. obviously... Um, You had um, Gable died 10 days after the filming finished. Um, Munro was a year later. And then Cliff was about, what, five years later. I think even less than that. I wasn't. Yeah, Yeah, I think even less than five years. So you have this weird sort of situation Mm. where the events outside of the film have informed it so much. And when you're watching it, Especially as it's a sort of, you know, retrospective review that we're writing about it so Mm. we understand all of these. You know, it adds a certain um, narrative to it that wouldn't have maybe been made aware of at the time. And also um, uh, Arthur Miller and and Munro are divorced. I think it was a... I think it was a, week, was it after? Yeah, it was a week, week after They were breaking up the across premiere? the film. Yeah. I think she, she saw it as... I don't think she
1: was very happy with it, although it's a wonderful performance from her. She's um, just amazing. She, they're,
0: they're all incredible in it. And yeah. I, I am a fan of Marilyn Monroe. Like, I, I, I really love her. And seeing her in this film, she's just an absolute powerhouse. She, what about the paddle ball scene? Oh, Isn't that like, right?
1: <laughs> Absolutely love the it. The shaking the ass and uh, all the men so looking good. at her. Leering at and her. And it was
0: this conversation. Kind of role that she had begged for her entire career, where something that we, that she was, you know, could be a serious actor in it, rather than playing, you know, it's, the girl in the Seven Year which is an equally fantastic film. But um, and she is phenomenal. And mm. I read somewhere that Monty Clift wouldn't rewatch this film because he thought that his performance was terrible but they're all amazing in it i think it was only clark gable said that this was the best performance of his career mm, i yeah. read
1: i read a thing where actually the night before monty clift passed away his private nurse um noticed that it was playing on the tv and he said should we watch the misfits and he said absolutely not Mm-hmm. So I think it was the personal experiences and the hurt they went through, and also that extended to John Huston, who's is incredible filmmaker who did actually live quite um, a decent amount of time after this film, but was in a state of he was a rampant alcohol uh, alcoholic through the most of his life actually, and I think he got he, inc- he got sunk by gambling debts at the time because they shot it in Reno, yes, mm. <laughs> how, how, yeah. and the, the studio had to actually. Bail him out Yeah, his, it seems like it? the
0: production history on this film sounds like an absolute nightmare. It's
1: freaking nuts. It's mm. nuts. And even that you see Kevin McCarthy, who I, I absolutely adore from a, the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, mm. is Marilyn Monroe's husband that she sees on the, the steps when she mm. goes up for a divorce. And he was Monty Cliff's best friend in real life. I think he was one of the ones that had to attend the accident that he nearly died from um you know a few years before his actual death but yeah so this film plays in the the meta stuff that it's it's kind of like it's um it to read about it as well just informs it so much more but it could have gone in just this way of playing out as a character drama but then it kind of hits what I think is very John Houston which is the the wild west
2: side of it yeah that was yeah yeah, yeah. that was the favorite I feel like that really makes the film I agree the scene with the the mustangs I think stood out to me as a really beautiful moment in cinema. I I wasn't actually that on board with the film until that scene. Like I, I I I was finding it hard to place it. I felt like the dialogue was a bit too wordy, and I I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I was getting a little bit tired of the the men are all kind of repeats of one another in, yep, in different yep. ways, and I wasn't yeah I, I wasn't enjoying it that much but then the the mustangs come into it and you see them hunting down these wild mustangs and there's so much beauty in how that scene translates something about each of those characters that the dialogue doesn't yeah and it's mm. so difficult
0: like it's um to rewatch this i found it really hard though and it is it's incredibly beautiful and the cinematography in this movie is absolutely amazing uh, but when they are there with those mustangs it's a difficult watch, but mm. it is this, and you see this beautiful Nevada desert, you know, this beautiful landscape with it as well. It's
1: also an interesting exploration of masculinity and the change in masculinity of the time, because it shows how, see, America was set up on these um, cowboy, the cowboy um Persona, the ca- the romance of the cowboy, uh, and John Huston also was involved in you know western films, and this was kind of bringing in the demise of the cowboy almost. And see, they were trying to, mm. they were losing their place. And we see and this, she challenges that, that, that big
0: struggle with Clark Gable trying yeah. to cling on to what is aging and dying within Exa- him. Yeah, but it's such, yeah, it is. It's an incredibly beautiful film, one of my favourites. If you are interested in um revisiting the misfits or visiting it for the first time it is uh, streaming on stan it's also easily available to buy on dvd and blu-ray You've been listening to Plato's Cave on 3RRR with Emma Westwood, Flick Ford and myself, Sally Christie. On tonight's show, we discussed High Life, Us and The Misfits. High Life is screening as part of the French Film Festival. Us is on wide release and The Misfits is streaming on Stan or you can grab it on DVD. Uh, In The Cave next week, we will be discussing Jonah Hill's directorial debut, Mid90s, and the highly acclaimed experimental piece, The Green Fog. And we're also going to talk about our intro track, Hitchcock's Vertigo, which is exciting. So you can subscribe to the Plato's Cave podcast via iTunes or wherever else you find your favourite podcasts. A huge thank you to Faith Everard for panelling the show tonight and also editing the podcast